Welcome into the PFN Bengals podcast. I am Dallas Robinson. As always, he is Jay Morrison. Jay, we talked about the offensive players the Bengals could consider this offseason last yeah. week. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. That's the, it's the obvious next step. And I think you know, we kind of talked about this last week that there's some holes on the offensive side of the ball. The Bengals can maybe spend money on that side. But I think if we're talking about a big kind of big money free agent addition, I think it's probably going to come on the defensive side of the ball. Am I wrong on that? Or where do you, where do you kind of stand on where the Bengals are heading into this free agent period? Yeah, I think that's where it has to be. You know, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, you can find some cheaper bargains there. It's hard on the defensive side. You're it's, I mean, there's the, there are cheap options available, but you're really rolling the dice and especially, you know, like cornerbacks. It's like you, they're either, they have experience or the, the really good ones either don't get to the market or they're going to yeah. cost uh, way too much money than the Bengals are going to pay. Mm-hmm. Same with edge rushers. So it's tough, but um, I do think they, ha- they need so much help over there that I, I think that is where you're going to see most of the T Higgins aside franchise tag. Yeah. Um, the most of the rest of the free agent money is going to be on that defensive side. Yeah. So we talked about it last week that the Bengals have roughly $60 million or so heading into free agency, probably a third of that. If T Higgins is franchised as we think, and does not sign an extension, probably about 20 million or so will be taken up by T. We know the Bengals like to keep some money in reserves for draft mm-hmm. picks and injuries and all that stuff. So there is going to be an amount here that the Bengals will be able to spend on the defensive side of the ball. It's just kind of, will they do it and what positions will they focus on? What we're going to do is just run through each of the defensive group positions and just kind of look at options the Bengals could consider. Once we're done with that, we'll talk a little bit about Jay, an article Jay wrote this week about teams that could go from worst in their division to winning a division title. And then we'll talk a little bit about the franchise and kind of newsy, businessy stuff the Bengals have coming up. But first, we're going to go position by position on the defensive side of the ball and just highlight some guys we think the Bengals could consider. Let's start with Ed Rusher, Jay. I think, you know, they might not make any moves in edge rusher this offseason. They've got five guys already in Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, Miles Murphy, Cam Sample, and Joseph Osai, who we, for the most part, expect to be back. You know, maybe there's a surprise trade. Maybe there's a surprise move at some point. But I, I think we'd see those five guys coming back. At that point, you kind of wonder, do do the Bengals even consider adding another body? Do they add a late-round draft pick? Are they trying to add someone affordably? They're obviously not going to be pursuing the Chase Youngs and Danielle Hunters of the world. These guys are going to be making $15, $20 million a year. But are there some options a little lower down the pay scale that the Bengals consider? I've got a few guys, Jay, I think could make sense. Who do you have at at the edge rushing position that you think could make sense for this team? Yeah, and this is one of those where you think you know what these guys are going to get, and then it just goes crazy in free agency. So. You know, I, the, the one guy I had at the top of my list was Derek Barnett from the Houston Texans. Um, Eagles took him in the seventh round or in the first round in 2017. Um, he had 19 and a half sacks in his first four seasons with them. And it, it just kind of fell off in Philadelphia. And they cut him in November. Houston claimed him on waivers. It, it rejuvenated him. He had, he had a really strong finish for the Texans. Um, had two and a half sacks in the final four games. Had another one in the wild card game. You know, his, his most recent contract was three years, 15 million. I don't think the Bengals are going to go that route, but, you know, maybe you get a guy like that one year for seven or, you know, maybe two for eight, two for nine, something like that. Um, I think he's a guy that, that could produce. He's got enough time in this league where you, you kind of know what you're getting. There may not be a huge upside there, but they need bodies. They just need more juice in the pass rush and, and guys they can – 
cycle in there because I, I don't think you can expect Sam Hubbard to play 80% of the snaps this coming year. He's just getting up there in age. And, uh, you know, Trey Hendrickson has been terrific, but it, it, it can't be Trey Hendrickson with 67% of the sacks on the team and then a bunch of other people. I, I totally agree. And I'm kind of in that same area in terms of price range. So like, and I'm kind of looking at guys too, who, yes, they can play on the edge, but maybe they could slide inside on passing downs too, because we'll, we'll get into these defensive tackle options here mm-hmm. in a second. Bengals are going to need help there. So maybe a guy who could play inside would be beneficial. I looked at a guy like Mike Dana from the chiefs who, you know, he's not a star. I am guessing the average NFL fan has never heard of Mike Dana, but this guy plays a lot of snaps for the chiefs. He can also play inside. He's productive when he plays. He's not a 10 sack guy, but he, he gets pressure. He's good against the run. Hardly ever gets hurt. Extremely available. Still young. He's another guy, Jay, like you said, I don't know what his price will be. Our team's going to say, hey, here's a guy who can play the edge and is and is never hurt and does a good job when he's out there. Let's give him three years, 30 million. Bengals aren't going to go for that. If no. it's a one-year deal that's much cheaper, I think they could consider a guy like Dana. I think there are other guys like that, too. A guy like Solomon Thomas, who's a former, I believe, top five pick, who's bounced around the league a little bit, can also slide inside, play D-tackle, play on the end. Guy like Cleland Farrell, number four, former top five pick, who's, who's mm-hmm. played for the 49ers last year. I think that's the kind of options you're looking at far, far down the pay scale because the Bengals already have options, but a guy who can play multiple roles. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I They need so much help on the interior of that defensive line, and I think they're, they're going to double up there probably in the draft. Will they, will they go sign one of those guys in free agency? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, it's not a great you just the straight D tackle, not the yeah. tweener guys. It's not a great field. Um, I had a couple other guys, edge guys. Leonard yeah. Floyd. I mean, he, he played one. he played last year one year seven million. That's I mean that's kind of in the Bengals price range. Where if you're yeah. looking for a big upgrade, he had ten and a half sacks last year, and he only played fifty four percent of the defensive snaps. I don't I don't think that he's he's going to be thirty two. Yeah. Right, right, right. When the season starts, and I know the Bengals try to avoid that, but they try to avoid that with, with the longer term deals. You know, if you could get him on a one year seven million, just like he played last year, that would be a heck of a, a steal. Um, and, and then, he, uh, and it correct me if I, but I think he signed a little later in the year too with the Bills, like not right out of free agency, which could be yeah. something we've talked about this in the past that maybe the Bengals would consider some of those guys who are still available April, May, June. Right. Some of these older guys like a Floyd instead of just honing in those guys who are available maybe first, second week of March. Yeah, because it affects w- what you're willing your price point because mm-hmm. you, you you get through the draft. You see what you got in the draft and then you reassess your needs after you draft. And, yeah. you know, those guys are hanging out there when it gets later like that. Uh, most teams have spent their money and you're not you're not going to end up in a crazy bidding war with someone. And those guys at that point are looking for. Yeah. Money's important, but they're also yeah. looking somewhere where they can go and win a ring. And I, I think anybody would would view the Bengals as a good chance to do that. Come play with Joe Burrow and and, and see if he can chase one. Totally. Um, so I, there yeah, were guys I, like the guys like Yannick Ngakwe and Justin Houston. Remember, all those edge guys were available so late yeah. into the year last year. It could happen again. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, a cheap option. That it's kind of intriguing because he doesn't have much of a track record. But uh, Caleb on Chazon um, from the Jaguars, um, he played with Burrow at LSU. They were both first-round picks in 2020. Yeah. Um, he's still just 24. He's going to be 25 in July. He's still got a lot of upside um, you know, potential. Spot rack has him with two years, six million. So that's you know three million a year for an edge rusher that you know that's 
a, a minimal risk there. Bring him in, see if if the the new surrounding. It happens all the time. Guys get a new look somewhere, and it and it works out. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think he's a little concerning because he played a three four in Jacksonville. Mm. You know, he dropped mm. a lot and didn't, he didn't always have his hand in the dirt. Um, I don't know. I guess that'll be up to Lou Anaruma, whether he thinks he can make it work or not, but yeah. he's, he's an interesting guy just because I don't think he's going to cost a lot. And you're talking about a 2020 first rounder. I would think that there's, there's still upside there that the teams can get a little bit more out of him. A couple of the guys I had AJ Epinesa from the bills, former mm-hmm. second round pick, really did not develop at all until this season didn't show anything as a pass rusher i think he actually flashed a little bit this season but it's kind of at the point where is he going to get forgotten you know he's not much of a big name anymore bills could bring him back but they're not going to have any cap space to make any moves this year so i think he could hit the market um dorrance armstrong jr about 27 28 years old played for the cowboys these past few seasons really good third fourth kind of complimentary pass rusher for the cowboys behind uh, Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. So he's kind of used to playing that supplementary role. One last guy, Casey Tuhill. Now I'm sure no one knows who this person is. <laughs> Played for the commanders last year. After the commanders traded Montez Sweat and Chase Young, Casey Tuhill got a lot of time on the edge. I thought he had so- some good moments as a pass rusher. I'm guessing he's a league minimum guy. So that could obviously fit in with the Bengals plans, but just a name to keep to keep an eye on. Uh, Jay, any other edge rushers before we go into D tackle, where I think maybe some of these, some of the bigger names could be in play. Yeah. Yader Grossmatos from Carolina. I thought, you know, could possibly be, a, you know, he's another guy from the 2020 uh, draft, a second round pick. Uh, he had 13 sacks in his first four seasons. Um, he, he mostly rushed from the right side where, you know, Trey Hendrickson, nothing but the right side. So mm-hmm. uh, I do wonder about that. Cause I think he would look for someone a little more comfortable on the left side, but he, he did about two thirds on the right and a third on the left. Um, so he, he could still be a guy. He's, he's comfortable enough on the left side where he could spell Sam Hubbard at, from time to time. Um, there's no, there's no market value listed for him on spot rack. So it's kind of a crap shoot on, on yeah. where he would come in price wise, but there's also, a big question whether he's actually going to hit free agency because I if Brian Burns the other defensive end and in, in Carolina walks I I can't imagine Carolina letting Gross Matos get away as well yeah. they'll, they'll probably lock him up but he's another guy to keep an eye on no I think that's a good one too he's he's kind of like Epinesa a former second round pick yep. who really didn't do much over his first career and kind of finally showed something this past year um, okay let's go to the interior where I think this might be the biggest need area for the Bengals this offseason Guys they have still on the roster, B.J. Hill, Zach Carter, J. Tufele, Devoncha Maxwell, and Travis Bell. Got D.J. Reader as a free agent coming off that kind of serious injury, and then Josh Tupo is also a free agent. I think there are some guys here who I think the Bengals just clearly will not consider. And I know there's been some rumblings out there that the Bengals would think about Chris Jones. Like, I, I just don't see that happening. There's just no way. He's going to be looking for $30 million. I mean, mm-hmm. probably in a three- or four million, four-year contract. I just don't see there's any way the Bengals will pay that. Christian Wilkins from the Dolphins, same thing. I, I yep. think he'll probably be franchise tagged. Justin Matabuike from the Ravens could be tagged. Again, far, far out of the Bengals' price range. Um, you drop down to that next kind of tier. That's where I'd put DJ Reader. And I think if there's a chance that he could come back, it would be because he suffered that injury and might have to look for a one-year mm-hmm. deal. So I'd put him in that next kind of tier. A couple other guys I would put in this same tier. Leonard Williams who played for the Giants last year and was traded to the Seahawks for a second-round pick at the trade deadline. Very, very good run defender. I would say still one of the best run defenders in the NFL, but can push the pocket from the interior. 
I think Spottrek, I, I believe, had his his projected value around 16 million. That seems high to me for a guy who's who's getting up there in age and is primarily a run defender. They're not gonna Bengals will not get in that in that area, no. I don't think. It's 15, 16 million dollars a year. If that price comes down, maybe there's a chance. The guy that I am highlighting for the Bengals, and I'm I'm writing an article that will be out this week about one move every NFL team should make this offseason. The guy I'm kind of pinpointing for the Bengals is Grover Stewart. He played for the Colts his entire career. He's coming off a six-game suspension for PEDs. Maybe that'll affect his market. Maybe it won't. This guy is an elite run defender. And it was kind of like when when the Bengals lost T.J. Raider, you saw the Bengals' run defense just get absolutely gashed. That's what happened when the Colts lost Stewart for six games. They could not stop the run whatsoever. And they've got DeForest Buckner and other guys on that defensive line who are talented players. When Grover Stewart was not there, anybody could run on them. I think he's the type of guy you could look at for a one or two year deal, eight, nine million dollars a year. I think the Bengals could consider that. He's not an all pro, but you know exactly what you're getting with Grover Stewart. And I think he'd be a perfect fit on this defensive line. Yeah. He's 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 that wrong side of 30. That's but you're right. If it's and just barely. He's just, he just turned 30. But you know, if you're talking one year. Okay, two, you know, it gets a little. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if the Bengals would go there. They were. They yeah. got burned with the whole with the um, Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap co-signings yes. back in eighteen. I just don't think they're going to go there again unless they have to. You know, unless they all yeah. uh, all all the chips come off the table. There's only a couple guys left, but um, that's why when I was looking at mine, I was really trying to focus on guys that were in that mid to upper twenties range that that would be a fit. I like Cleveland a lot for. Or um, I like Grover a lot for Stewart, you know, yeah. yeah, what he can do, but that, that just always concerns me with the with the age and knowing how the Bengals have really kind of shied away from that. And that's that's why they, if DJ Reader didn't get hurt, they're not re-signing him oh, because no. he's he's he was going to be too much and he was going to be at thirty. Now you think, okay, maybe like you said, market dries up, can't pass the physical till closer to his camp. He could be one of those late signings. He would he would like to be. You know, guys say it all the time. He was sincere about it. He would love to be back with this team. There's a really special bond in that locker room uh, with with DJ. And you could just – there's that next man up mentality when a guy gets hurt. But you could tell how much that impacted this this locker room, this roster, when he got when he went down with that quad tear. Um, so I, I, he's a really important piece. I do think that – I don't know if they're – where they sit with that, if they see it as a possibility, probability, um, you, you almost have to proceed where it's not going to happen. And then if you have a shot, great. Yeah. Um, but a, a guy that I thought maybe there's a unique connection there in Javon Kinlaw from 49ers just yeah. played in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, he, he had an ACL issue in 2021, 2022, barely played at all, but he played all 17 games last year. Um, he's not going to be 27 until October. His market value on spot rack is two years, 10.8 million. I mean, that's, that's affordable. And the thing that really stuck out to me is I remember, cause I was down there, I spent the whole week with the, the Bengals coaching staff when they coached in the senior bowl in 2020, when, when Ken law was coming out and he was on their team. And so they get to know these guys really well when, when they coach them and, and they're in the meetings with them and, and everything. And he didn't play in the game, but he was one of the stars at practice. He really was, the one every had everybody buzzing in practice that week. And so, you know, I'm sure Lou got to know him pretty well in, in that week in Mobile and just one of those unique connections where I think maybe he'd be a possibility. Another guy I really like is Tier Tart from the Titans. Yeah. I mean, the Bengals played the Titans 
the last four years. And every time we talk to Zach Taylor or Brian Callahan uh, or Frank Pollock about the Titans, and they just rave about that D line. And, um, you know, Tart is right there with it. He's, he's just a, a really good player in the middle of that defensive line. He signed last year, a one year, $4.3 million deal. I mean, if he, if he's commanding that again this year, He's absolutely in their range and he's going to turn 27 next week. He's still young. Yep. Um, so he, he's a guy that I, I really think could be a fit if, if, if that's what they're looking for. And remember the Bengals tried to claim him off waivers. Yeah. So he, the, the Titans cut him at mid season and the Bengals put in a claim, but the, the Texans had a higher Houston. priority. So they're yeah. definitely, definitely interested. Tier Tart is like, I think he's a very talented guy, like really, really good against the run and can push the pocket for like, for a big kind of mm-hmm. 300 plus pounder. I, I think it was never quite clear, like what happened with Tennessee. Like, I think he wanted a new contract and they were just kind of fed up with him. Like what, what actually led them to just straight up cut a guy like who's pretty talented. I think if he can maybe get his head on straight and like come to a good culture that the Bengals have and see like, Hey, if I do well and produce on a team, that's going to be a national TV and winning games. Like then I can get the contract that I feel I deserve. I think that could definitely work. And they've already shown yeah. that interest. I, I also had Javon Kinlaw on my list. Another guy who, First three years of his career did nothing. 49ers declined his fifth year option. That's never a good sign. And then this year, I think actually showed more as a pass rusher and showed why he was made a first round pick. Javon Hargrave, when it went to the Super Bowl, could not stop raving about Javon Kinlaw's just improved attitude coming into the season mm-hmm. of improved mental focus, improved work ethic. So I think if you're seeing a guy who maybe has realized, hey, yeah, I was a first round pick, but things haven't exactly worked out. Now I need to step it up. Yeah, I think he could be a guy in a, in a good one year deal. Um, Speaking of Tart in those Titans kind of free agent options, Danico Autry is another guy I had on the list from the Titans. Older guy, I, I want to say 33, uh, but can play the edge, can play three technique, five technique, can basically play anywhere along the kind of the front lines. Really good player who can play the run and and get pressure. Like you said, I don't know if the Bengals are willing to go with someone who's that older or that that age or if they want to stick to younger options, but I think you have to be on the list. And then just pure kind of run cloggers who I'm assuming none of these guys are going to cost much money. You've got guys like Tershawn Wharton from the Chiefs, Raekwon Davis from the Dolphins, Justin Jones from the Bears, Derek Nadi again from the Chiefs, and Greg Gaines from the Buccaneers. These guys are basically just pure run cloggers. I can't imagine any of those guys are getting more than like a one-year deal at, what, two, three million dollars. Yeah. But if you're, if you're looking for bodies, I mean, th- those guys are options. Um, the one other one I think that's going to cost a little more who can who can provide some pressure is Sheldon Rankins. Yeah. He's bounced around. He's been kind of a mercenary these past few years, but former first round pick had a really good season with the Texans, set career highs in, in sacks and, and QB hits and all those metrics. He think he played for like ten million dollars last year. I guess he's looking for the same. I don't know if the Bengals would go that high for a guy who's, you know, league average to a bit above, but not a superstar. I don't know. Again, if the price comes down, I think they could be on in Rankins. Yeah, I was I, uh, last year. I thought Rankins could be a guy that they could target in free agency. Yeah. It didn't go that way, and you know he was he did he was outpriced a little bit. Yeah. Um, I had one more uh, Taven Bryan from the Colts. Sure, um, yeah. First round pick in twenty eighteen. It's been dependable. He's played ninety six out of a possible ninety nine games. Um, two years ago, the Browns signed him to a one year four million dollar contract. Last year, the Colts got him one year three and a half. So you see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Probably three three and a half range this year. Um, just he's not going to turn 28 until next month. So he's he's another guy that you could just put in there as a, a solid body depth piece to to just 
give yourself some flexibility once you get into the draft. No, I, I like that one a lot too. Let's move to linebacker. I think we can probably breeze through this. I mean, that's <laughs> Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt are the starters. Akeem Davis, Gaither, Marcus Bailey, and Joe Bucky are all free agents. Jay, Jay, I'm assuming that like one of those guys will come back and then the Bengals will maybe lose a late draft pick. Maybe they'll sign a free agent. I, I'm not sure, but I think if they do, it, it's got to be someone who's like league minimum. I mean, there's no way they're going to be paying two linebackers at market rate and and pay a third guy, you know, multi-million dollars. I think if they sign anybody, it's got to be someone who's extremely cheap. Yeah. I, I do remember when we did our draft of free agents, I took ADG first. Yes. I, I just, <laughs> yes. I feel like he's a guy that they, they are definitely going to bring back prop, maybe give him even a two year deal. Um, but you know, you, there's no guarantees. Maybe another team steps up and, and offers him a lot. So a, a guy in the vein you were talking about, um, Zach Cunningham from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, he, he'll, he'll t- he's going to turn 30 this year, but not till December. He, he only, he played last year on a $1.8 million contract. Um, and PFF had him the number 17 linebacker in coverage last year. Pratt was 22. Wilson was 36. Um, he played 80% of the snaps. Uh, just a, a, been a solid player. You know, won a, won a ring with the Eagles as a rookie in 2017. Um, so I think he's a guy that you could get as a, as a depth piece there for not a whole lot of money. Yeah, it's so that, that – Coverage grade is so surprising because I think Cunningham is known kind of as a guy who's purely a run defender. Yeah. So it's like to show that kind of coverage ability at this step in his career is kind of impressive. I had another Eagles guy in my list, Jay, was Nicholas Morrow. He he was a low-cost addition that the Eagles made. The Eagles never pay for linebackers, so they're always kind of looking for these cheap guys. Nicholas Morrow's been a starter for the Eagles, for the Raiders. I thought he played pretty well. The Eagles were constantly trying to replace him this year, but I thought he did a de- decent job, and I can't imagine he'll be too expensive. A um, couple other guys I had, Anthony Walker Jr., who played for the Browns, constantly injured, was the only reason I think he could be available to someone, to a team like the Bengals at, at a cheap price. He's been injured the past three seasons. He usually cannot stay healthy, but I think in a backup, that could be a risk you're willing to take. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce this name. Kamu Kamau Grugier Hill. Uh, I've, I've only seen it written. I don't know how it's, <laughs> he's played for a lot of teams. He's an ace special teamer. Like if, if Darren Simmons would love this guy, like absolutely. Yeah. And he can play, he can play linebacker as well. Last one, Isaiah Simmons, uh, former first round pick traded from the Cardinals to the giants this past season. Didn't get a ton of run, but a guy who's been viewed as one of those tweeners who can play in the slot. He can play maybe safety. If you need him, he can play in coverage. I don't think he's ever going to be like a great player who lives up to where he was drafted, which I think was like top 15. But, if you know, see, we've seen the Bengals have these guys like remember Trey Flowers, who's like one to be the tight end eraser and guys who they want in specific roles. I wonder if they look at a guy like Simmons, who's played a variety of positions and say, let's get you with Lou Anarumo and see if we can put you in a position to succeed. Maybe. I don't know. And I can't imagine that he'll be that expensive, but I, I think it'd be an interesting addition. Yeah, I remember when he was coming out, there was all those stories about the the future of the NFL, the positionless player. Yes, yes. He could play anywhere. And I I want to say he was number nine overall, but maybe maybe I'm just confusing that because no, didn't he, he wear number nine? I'm not that could be right. I, I, I'm not sure, but you're right. He was a very high draft pick. Um and one other guy, going back to the Titans, uh, Aziz Al Shair. Um mm, he's only yeah. he's only gonna be 27 in August. Uh last year he played one year, five million. So it, might be a little pricey for what the Bengals want for a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Already paying Pratt and, and Wilson as much as they are, but he played with Trey Hendrickson at Florida Atlantic um, last year. PFF, he he was the twelfth best linebacker in yards per cat or yards after catch. Um, mm-hmm. 
among guys that were targeted at least 10 times, which is most of them. So he's, you know, you, you don't, if you're not great in coverage and breaking up passes, you better be good at tackling and getting guys yeah. to the ground. And that's what he was able to do. And he was a number 26 linebacker against the run. So he's, he can play three downs. He can do everything you need a linebacker to do. Wouldn't cost a lot of money. Very tenacious player comes from mm-hmm. that San Francisco 49ers scheme and history. And I had him just inside my top 100 free agents, actually. So I, I don't know. Oh. I don't know if he could find another another role, I, but I'm high on him. So I don't know. We, we'll okay. have to see how the market goes. Um, cornerback. This is an interesting one as well, because it's kind of a question of like, what are the Bengals looking for at a cornerback? They've obviously have Cam Taylor Britt. DJ Turner, are they viewing him as a is their clear cut starter? I, I, I think so. Yeah. Mike Hilton in the slot. DJ Ivy and Jalen Davis, those are the guys who are still on the roster. Cheeto is a free agent, so do we think he's coming back? Eh, I, I would lean towards no. You've got the top-end free agent corners, Jalen Johnson, Legeria Sneed, Kendall Fuller. Bengals aren't getting involved there. So I think we're kind of back in the position they maybe thought they were in last year where they're looking for a guy who can be like a, a cornerback four, right? Like a, a Sidney Jones type from last year, a, a guy in that range. Maybe they're looking for a little bit of an elevated role over that. Like Sidney Jones didn't play, end up playing at all. Maybe they're looking for a guy who's a little more competent than that. I don't know. I, I have some options, Jay. Who, who's on your list for cornerback? Is there a guy who stands out like if, if they're just looking for a pure depth piece? Or is there a guy who you think could step in and be a starter if needed? Yeah, I, I have a couple that could step in and start. I mean, this this first guy was a full-time starter in 2022. Um, and... He, I can't remember what he, – he started about half the games for the Bills last year, um, but Dane Jackson. Um, hmm. He played 50% of the snaps last year. Uh, he's, he doesn't turn 28 till November. Spot rats market value is a one-year, $3 million. Uh, PFF had him as the number three graded cornerback in the league last year. Uh, Cam Taylor Root was 31, so he was right there in that range. Um, and then staying in the division, Roxy Icene, um last year, one-year, $4 million. Um, Average 650 snaps his first four years in the league. Only played 279 with the Ravens last year, but another guy that's going to be 28 uh, later this spring still has some ball ahead of him. You know, those guys, those are guys that that are, are more likely to play outside corner. Yeah. There's a, a couple slot guys. I still think they like Jalen Davis as a backup, but mm. you 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 have to look beyond the 2024 because I I, yes. I don't know they're going to be able to keep Mike Hilton next year and. Yeah. Um, you know, another guy we've talked about, Arthur Millette from the the, the Ravens. Um, he's a guy that's going to be a free agent. He only made one point one million last year. And then Keyshawn Nixon from the, the from the Packers gives you that that backup slot corner. But he was also the best kick returner in the game last year. The Bengals need a kick returner. Uh, I'm not sure that's. I think Charlie Jones could win the punt or could be their their choice for punt returner, um, even if he gets more into the offense. But I, I still think they're looking for a kick returner, and they kind of were auditioning chase brown for it last yeah. last year and that's when he hurt, got hurt and but if he's if if he's going to be the main running back this year i don't think they're going to want him back there kicking returning kicks i had Keyshawn Nixon on my list as well mm. dane jackson's interesting i think that was an oversight I, mean, I didn't even realize he was a free agent that's a really good pick i mean former seventh round pick who's really worked yeah. his way into a starting role bills keep drafting first round court they drafted Kyrie <laughs> elam and nope dane jackson's still the starter right yeah. he, he beats out everybody that's a re- that's a really interesting one my guys were along the same lines. The only option I, I put that I think would maybe be a little more expensive is Steven Nelson, mm-hmm. who played last year for the Texans. He's always just been a guy I think is just purely a competent corner. He's never going to be an all pro, but man, the guy is reliable. Like wherever he goes, he just starts 16, 17 games, gives you a great 
you know, decent performance, doesn't get beat, doesn't give up coverage busts. I think that's a guy you want to spend a little more. I think if you're looking for a, a little cheaper options, going back to the slot discussion again, Miles Bryant from the Patriots was really good as their slot corner this past year. Youngish guy, former undrafted free agent. I think he could be an option specifically as a run defender. Um, Jeff Okuda, former number three <laughs> overall pick. He's going to uh, break the bank, I think. <laughs> that's the Ohio State in you talking, Jay. Yeah, I don't know. He's... <laughs> <laughs> This guy, I mean, absolutely has flashed, like especially last yeah. year, I think flashed with the Lions, but then have ended up getting benched by the end of the year. Thought he looked okay at the beginning of this year with the Falcons, ended up getting hurt, ended up losing his role. Kind of a repeat story every year. I think a one-year deal, a one-year flyer on a guy with his level of talent wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Same kind of thought with a guy like Christian Fulton, former second-round pick for the Titans on the younger side has flash in the past, has talent, just hasn't been able to harness it. And then if you're looking at some older guys, I think guys who would just come in for one year, be there if needed. Fabian Moreau, who ended up starting like 10, 11 games opposite Patrick Sutan for the Broncos last year. And Isaac, I think it's Yadom, Yadom, Y-I-A-D-O-M. Yeah. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Ended up starting a lot of games down in New Orleans for the Saints and also played well. Now, these guys are Career journeymen, you're not asking them to do a ton, probably on a one-year deal, but they proved they can still play, I think, last year if you're looking for that cheap option. Yeah, Akuda caught my eye, and I was like, yeah. I, I went and looked at, and these, it's not, you can't take it as gospel, but his market value on spot rack is four years, 60 million, and that's why I was like, ah, oh. that's that's nowhere near what the no. Bengals are looking for. <laughs> now, there's no, no, will he get that? No chance. Okay. Spot rack is like good for a lot of different things. Great organizational tool. I don't know where they get some of these market values. Like that, that's absurd. Like Jeff Okuda will get one year, like two, three million, like four years, 60 million. Like I, I can't imagine where that number comes from, but yeah, that's, I mean, maybe that's just the pedigree, you know, first or number, like you said, number three overall pick 2020, still young, but that is, that is. Yeah. I, I don't see that happening. I think he could be be an affordable option. Uh, did you have any other corners? Or did, yeah, that was, that was all I had. Safety, I think, is interesting, too. So, obviously, we've got Dax Hill, Jordan Battle, Tyson Anderson, maybe Nick Scott. We don't know if he's sticking around on the roster. Again, don't, a position where the Bengals don't have to add. They could easily go into the season with these four with these four adding their depth chart. Now, this safety class of free agents is, like, one of the deepest free agent classes for a positional group that I can remember in a long time. Mm -hmm. Is there any chance, like, if these prices drop on these guys to the point where a really talented safety is accepting a one-year, $2 million, $3 million deal, do they go out and try and find – I mean, do they go out and try and find a guy who could maybe be a starter? Bengals sometimes use three safety looks. Dax Hill had some issues last year. You know, Jordan Battles in his second year. Is there any chance they go out and say, hey, we're going to find an established veteran to come and try and help us make up for the loss of Jesse Bates and Von Bell, which we're still trying to get over? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out because there's there's still I don't know how serious the discussion is, but I I think they they have to be asking themselves is Dax going to be better served as cornerback? Yes. Um you know, Nick Scott is still here. I think they'll keep him around. He's going to be affordable enough that they'll keep him around for special teams. Um they love Tyson Anderson as a, as a special team guy, but we've never seen him play defense. It's they're just yeah. there's so many questions at, at safety and if if it's kind of like last year where you never thought they would go spend that kind of money on Orlando Brown Jr., but if if they're left holding the bag, if they they don't end up signing guys at other positions, 
I, I could see them do that. That 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 be the position where they dump the money into. Yeah. Um, I I I didn't have anybody like that on my list. I was kind of staying in the the younger, affordable range um, for for possible yeah. fits. Yeah, but, and, I, and I think so. A guy like Antoine Winfield, I think from the Buccaneers, is going to be franchise tagged. But then you look down the list: Xavier McKinney from the Giants, Cameron Curl from the Commanders, Kyle Duggar from the Patriots, Geno Stone from the Ravens. Julian Blackman from the Colts. I mean, I can keep going. It's an amazing list of like starting caliber guys who you don't know. The, the, the market could absolutely collapse if there's too many options and some of these guys could be available for cheap. Yeah, I had Curl listed. I mean, he played more snaps at safety than any other free agent. In the, or he played more snaps last year than any other free agent safety on this year's list. Um, Four-year starter as a seventh-round pick. He turns 25 next week. He's hitting free agency for the first time, so who knows where that where that market's going to be for him. Um I had Jordan Whitehead. Uh, yep. I just he's going to be 27. Uh, career high four picks last year. He played last year for one year, five million. Um, I don't. I don't know. I just he, he's he's got a ring with the with the Buccaneers in 2020. Um, he plays. He's a free safety, but he plays in the box about a third yeah. of the time. So I, I think he's a guy that could do both, and and that's that's something that they they would like. They were always. You know, under Marvin, it was always we don't have a free safety and a in a strong yeah. safety. We just have safeties. The Bengals have gotten away from that a little bit, but they still move those guys around quite a bit. Um, and then another guy kind of in that vein, Jordan Fuller from the Rams, yep. um, sixth rounder in 2020. It's his first trip into free agency. So who knows? It might maybe it's my Ohio State bias coming through again. But he played with Sam Hubbard, Ohio State, had a career high three picks last year, career high eight pass breakups. He's only going to be 26 next month. Um, just uh, maybe they dip, they go back to the Rams. They that's where they got Nick Scott from. Yeah. Maybe they go get a, a more legitimate starter from the Rams if the Rams don't resign. Yeah, those guys were definitely on my list, and I think with those guys, like you're guaranteeing them a starting job too. So that yeah, it's mm-hmm. something you have to factor in. I, I wonder if there's a couple guys even further down the list that you could sign that you're not having to guarantee them a starting job, and you could kind of keep your options open. I think Mike Edwards from the Chiefs is one guy I would throw into that into that kind of bill. Cincinnati Played native. A Cincinnati native, played for the Buccaneers for four years, was kind of the third safety for the Chiefs this year, so that's a role he's comfortable playing in is, is behind two starters. I think he'd be really good. I don't know about Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Gardner like He settled for a one-year deal last year and then was hurt for most of this year. I'm, I'm not sure like what his market's going to be. I think he's a really good player who can handle the slot as well, but I, I'm not sure what his market will be. Darnell Savage Jr. from the Packers, another guy who's, I think, thrived when he was asked to play in the slot as opposed to safety. I wonder if he could be a guy who could play in multiple roles. Um, two more guys, John Johnson the third, who played for the Rams last year. I think the Bengals should have familiarity with him just based on Zach Taylor's time in Los Angeles. My only thing is, John Johnson was available last summer and the Bengals could have signed him then if they wanted to. And they, I don't believe they had any interest. So I'm not sure if that would change. Last guy is Brandon Jones. Uh, Dolphin safety was a starter, but kind of lost his starting job over these past few years was injured a ton this year. I think he's been pretty productive when he played. I'd be surprised if he goes back to Miami just because they've shown no interest in even like letting him start when he's healthy. I, I think he's been a pretty effective guy. I know Adam Beasley, our Dolphins reporter thinks he's pretty talented. I, I, a guy on a one-year deal and a flyer deal, I think he could be an option too. Yeah, I like that one. I have one other one, uh, Jalen yeah. Mills from the Patriots. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Started three years, last three years in New England. He played last year, one year, $3.8 million, so not super expensive. He could play slot corner as well if, if, you, yeah. if you get thrown into a pinch there. So um, there are a lot of options, a lot of different ways to go. And I do think if, if 
they don't get a big ticket item early in free agent or big ticket player early in free agency. I, I think safety might be the position they looked at to spend big. And I'm curious too, like just what is going to be the Bengals overall free free agent approach? Is it going to be we're dumping all our money into one big addition or is it going to be we're taking a bunch of bites at the apple? I think there's pros and cons to both strategies. I, I, I We talked about this when we talked about the lessons to learn from the, from the championship games that I, we don't want the Bengals, you know, if, if you're a Bengals fan, to become the Bills and go out and, and sign someone who's going to devastate their salary cap for years to come. I don't think we have to worry about that, but it is interesting to kind of consider, are they going to go out and sign one big defensive tackle who they think will kind of save this defense, or will they go out and sign a few mid-tier options at several different positions and, and kind of try and have a, a some of the parts approach to free agency? I don't know. I'm not sure which way they'll go, but I think it's something worth watching. I think if it's a if it's a big ticket guy, then uh, probably a one year big number because you know the borough contract hits next year at forty six, sure. and, and Chase is going to be making a lot more money yeah. um, next year, even though it would be early in in his new deal. Um, I don't know. I just I think what you said the the more bites at the apple kind of thing is looking for the the guys with a lot of upside uh, that you can get yeah. relatively cheap. Bengals are never going to get in a bidding war with anybody. So even if they have their eye on a big ticket guy, you know, that other teams probably are too. And other teams are a little more, I guess you could say reckless when it comes to free agency. The the Bengals have a price. And if it ticks past that, then they're out. Uh, They're not going to, they're not going to start bidding. They're getting in a bidding war. So um, I I think we're going to see more free agents at reasonable cost than, than one big, big price guy. Let's go ahead and talk about this kind of businessy stuff we've got here too, Jay, just to kind of round up. So the franchise tag window opened today. We fully expect T. Higgins to be tagged. It'll cost the projections are 20.672 million. Uh, but we kind of talked about it before the show that they're probably not going to do this today or tomorrow. They're probably not going to announce this immediately. And and most teams will wait a little bit, right? Before they kind of announce who they're using their tag on. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the players don't like being tagged. And so it, the longer you can delay it and, and not actually make that official transaction, the better it gives you two weeks to, to kind of speed up the negotiations. You got the deadline. It's not a deadline to sign a long-term deal, but it's a deadline in two weeks to avoid using the tag. Um, and, and so I think you'll see the Bengals go right up to that March 5th deadline before they actually put it on um on T they did it with AJ green in 2020. It was, I think the day before the deadline when they finally did it with him and it was obvious everybody knew it was coming. Um, And there really wasn't at that point in AJ's career, there wasn't much. No one really thought that a a long-term deal was on the table, Mm -hmm. but they still took it right up to the deadline. And it's just the way the Bengals kind of operate. Don't make a move until you have to make a move. So I don't expect any, I fully expect T to be tagged, but don't, if it starts getting closer and closer to deadline, don't be, yeah. I don't want Bengal fans to get worried. That's just kind of the way the Bengals operate. Deadline's March 5th. Don't be surprised if they announce it on March 4th. And the other kind of piece of news is that Joe Mixon, I mean, the Bengals have a deadline with Joe Mixon as well. So on March 18th, he has a $3 million roster bonus, which will become fully guaranteed for skill cap and injury. That's the decision point for the Bengals. Like obviously yeah. if they are going to release Joe Mixon, they will do so before that date and avoid paying that, that money. Joe Mixon on social media seems to think that he will not be released. Uh, I think you and I probably have different opinions on that, but at least we kind of know by March 18th, he'll, they'll have to make a decision. 
whether they release him before that or not and let him hit the free agent market. And, you know, it's a very deep class of running backs. Like that would, that would certainly be helpful to Joe Mixon to kind of get out there ahead of everybody else. But we're not sure if that's going to happen or not. Yeah, there's a couple things with that where I'm not 100% sure that they're going to release him. I'm just saying it's a it seems likely to me. But yeah. there's always the I, I they could ask him to take a pay cut again. He's due eight point five million this year. He's not. That's the one thing I'm hundred percent sure. He's not. He's not he taking not an eight point five million cap hit this year. Yeah. Yes. So, but it's it's just I don't know. Mike Brown has you know he's almost loyal to a fault, and and he he really does like Joe a lot. And I, I think it might take a little bit of convincing from the personnel department and the coaching staff to convince Mike to move on from Joe. Um, Would Joe even accept a pay cut a second year in a row? All that stuff is left to be determined. But the main thing is if you bring Mixon back, they've been clear. They want to be more explosive in the run game. They need to be more explosive in the run game. If you bring Joe Mixon back, he can't be your lead back. He is not, he's not explosive. And then if you bring him back, even on a cheap deal after a pay cut and and you start making chase Brown, the guy, you know, what, what's that going to be like? Is, is mixing going to brood? Is he going to be a problem? That's why I think it's just better. Just thank him for, you know, great seven years he's had here. Um, Cut him, cut him. It's only going to cost you. You're actually saving money against the cap. There's only like 2.5 million dead money um, to, to do that. So minimal cost to, to let him go. He's still a serviceable back in the league, but he's not what this offense needs. You need a guy that can be explosive and make the defense pay if they're playing back. And if you're keeping T. Higgins and you're keeping Jamar Chase, the defenses are going to play the two high shells mm-hmm. and they're going to try to prevent the deep. You have to punish those light boxes. And and Mixon's just not capable of doing that. He'll he won't lose you yards. He'll get yeah. you the tough yards on third and one, fourth and one. He'll score touchdowns at the goal line. He's not ripping off 10, 15, 20 yard runs against light boxes on a consistent basis. That's going to be Chase Brown. And you, and you can understand why it would be tough for Mixon to say, hey, yeah, I'll take another pay cut this year. And I'll, yeah, I'll willingly go into an RB2 role or at least a running back by committee role when I've been here for so many years and, and had so much success. You can understand why that's tough. And I you see that around the NFL, that guys, mm-hmm. even if they're they're not willing to take a pay cut from their existing team, even if they might make less somewhere else, purely out of pride. And I think I can mm-hmm. understand that just if I've been if I'd been in the NFL and building my career and this team that I've played with wants me to take another pay reduction, I'd probably say, no, I'm I'm fine. I'll I'll take my chances elsewhere and see what else I can do. I understand that from from Joe Mixon's perspective. We'll just have to see how that goes. Um, last thing, Jay, we want to touch on. You wrote a great article about ranking the candidates who could go from worst place in their division in 2023 to winning their division in 2024. This is an article I've done in the past before too. So thank you for stealing that from me this year. That was a great idea. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Should have run it by you first. (laughs) (laughs) But there's so here, I'm just going to run down the list of teams in alphabetical order that came in for or worst place, worst place, fourth place last year, bears, Bengals, Cardinals, chargers, commanders, Panthers, Patriots, Titans. Now you went through and ranked who you think could be the most likeliest or the likeliest to win their division next year. I don't think it's any surprise that the Bengals are number one on that list at yeah. all. Like I really don't. Like I I did our power a power rankings after the Super Bowl and I had the Bengals, I think, fifth. Like it's mm. they'll immediately get back into the championship contention window, I think. I, I think in it's almost like a lot of people around the league might forget about the Bengals a little bit with Joe Burrow having missed half the season and the Bengals not missing the playoffs. I think they're being slept on a little bit. 
So the fact that you had them as the most likeliest to win their division of these eight worst place teams, I think was not a surprise to me at all. Yeah. I mean, there's never been a last place team in the Super Bowl era to have a winning record. So that, that just puts them ahead of the, 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 the game as, as it is. But like you said, with Burrow coming back and just the expectation of, of bringing T Higgins back and running that offense, running it back for another year. And, um, seamless transition from pitcher to, to Brian Callahan and or from Cal, Brian Callahan to pitcher rather I should say um mm-hmm. I just I had a hard time picking a second on that list like I don't yeah. feel good about any of the other ones it happens it's happened 21 out of the last 23 years that at least one last place team has has won their division the following year the Bengals did it in 2021 they were last in 2020 won the division in 2021 went to the Super Bowl um it's it doesn't happen that's how I let off the story. I said it doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen frequently. And those yes. those kind of seem to be like, what? But if there's eight teams every year, usually it's one of the eight does it. So you got, you know, it's a very minimal, it's like 21% of the teams are able to do it. But every 21 out of 23 is a pretty good track record. You can count on every year at least one team's going to do it. And I just I think the Bengals are far and away the favorite to do this. I actually I did an art a similar article. Um after the 2019 season uh, for the, when I was at the athletic and I was able to ask, you know, all the other, the beat writers for the other last place teams. Okay. Mm. Tell me why they could do it. Tell me why they won't do it. But I also commissioned uh, a sports book to give me the odds on which team they thought would, would be able to pull it off. And um, I I think that the Bengals were about middle of the pack in that one. Mm. And I'm sorry that I'm sorry that was was after the 2020 season. So they, they they were the ones that pulled it off. Um, but it's I, I went Charger second. I just think the yeah. you've, you've got Herbert in place. Jim Harbaugh's won everywhere he's been. He turns programs around pretty quickly, and it's not just Herbert. They've got a lot of weapons out there. Um, who knows? Are, are the Chiefs going to be fallible again next year? It's crazy to say after winning back to back Super Bowls, but yeah, um, you know it's it's. I don't know how big of a threat the Raiders are going to be. I don't know how big of a threat the Broncos are going to be. Yeah. Um, it just feels like the Chargers are the, the next most likely team to the Bengals to do it. Chargers are one of the most fascinating teams of the offseason to me because I, I think there's like two distinct paths they could take. Like Jim Harbaugh could say, we're going to double down on our existing veteran talent. We're going to keep mm-hmm. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, and we're going for it. We're going to go for the title this year. Jim Harbaugh, everywhere he's been, he's had in, not just instant success, but like instant turnaround success. Yeah. Like. T- absolutely changing these programs and organizations in his first year. Stanford. I think there's a, exactly Stanford, San Diego, the 49ers, mm-hmm. everywhere he's gone. But I think there's also an argument to maybe look a little lot more long-term and say, we have an aging roster here that we need to kind of turn over. We've already got the quarterback in Herbert, but we need to get younger at almost every other position. Is it worth kind of eating our vegetables salary cap wise in 2024 Cutting some of these guys, maybe you can trade a Joey Bosa. Maybe you can trade a Keenan Allen, get some more draft picks, and say we'll we'll kind of sit out twenty twenty four. We'll be back <laughs> in twenty twenty five with a, with a fresh salary cap slate. Justin Herbert in position, more draft picks if we are able to trade some guys. So I don't know. I'm not sure how they're going to approach. I mean, it's one of the most interesting things about every offseason. The, these teams can say whatever they want, but once free agency starts, we'll know what plan they're going to take. They won't be able to hide it from us. So that'll be interesting. And I think it. The commanders and bears too. You had them what third and fourth on your list. Yeah. Those are the type of teams that can turn around so quickly because I'm assuming both of them will have a, a top two rookie quarterback. They both have a lot of free agent money. They both have a lot of extra draft picks. 
that's the kind of situation where a team can instantly turn around and you're just not, you don't even see it coming. And all of a sudden, you know, the Chicago Bears with Caleb Williams under center are in the NFC divisional round. You know, we, we won't even mm-hmm. see that coming. So I think a lot of interesting teams on, on this list, Jay, in, including uh, Brian Callahan's Titans as well, which you had mm-hmm. a little farther down. I, I think that it's another interesting one to kind of consider there. Um, but I, but I, I've no, no doubt that I agree with you. The Bengals should be atop this list of teams that could kind of make that turnaround next season. Um, I think that's our show, Jay. Anything else before we sign off? Uh, you will be at the Combine next week in Indianapolis. So mm-hmm. we will be doing, you'll be doing the show from there. Um, anything you're looking forward to specifically from the Combine? Players, coaches, anything you've got your eye on? At, uh, late nights at certain bars or anything like that? I've pivoted. I just, I can't do the, the crowded, crazy bars late nights anymore. It's just too loud. I can't hear. Uh, but the, it's nice. The, the Bengals uh coaching staff has a, a bar around the corner from the hotel they always stay in it's a it's a much better place to kind of get some face time with those guys i always look forward to that the, the players I, I i'll sit in on some podiums with players but i've i've, I've been going to the, the combine every year since 2012 i've yeah. never watched a workout <laughs> i've never and, and they, for a while there they wouldn't let you in they would only let certain media in yeah. to watch the workouts but even on tv i don't i don't care just tell once they've been drafted then i'll then i'm interested right. in them but that's yeah. that's what it's about and the Bengals are great about this they they'll they will put zach taylor and duke tobin on the podium they will give both of those guys to us for an additional 15 minutes just to talk to the local beat writers um and then we will get special teams coordinator Darren Simmons. We'll get we'll get Dan Pitcher. We'll get Lou Anarumo. We usually get Frank Pollock. All the new coach hires. We'll get that. So this is a great chance to talk to all these coaches and and really kind of get a feel for for what they're thinking. And they're not going to tip their hand on who they're looking at in the draft per se, but where they see their position groups and where they see their units and and where they need to get better and their thoughts on on guys that are coming back and you know maybe. Maybe we do get a little more clarity on what they're thinking with Dax Hill. Um, it's just, it's a great time of year for that. And it's, it's on the record stuff. It's off the record stuff. It's a, it's a really useful week to gain information. I think you'll, you'll have a lot of opportunity to gain Intel and we can discuss it all next week. If you get any off the record stuff, you want to text me at three in the morning, my cell phone, you know, you've got my number, Jay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be waiting for those texts. Uh, we'll be, we'll be back next week. We'll, we'll talk about all the stuff from the combine and everything that's looking forward to the free agency and everything that's left to come this off season. So make sure you come back next week until then. Thanks for listening. Thank you.